It's Saturday, September 10th, 2016, and you're listening to episode 414 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 23 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. And Wayne's Empty Chair. And my name's Chad. This is Brodor. So... I think it was funnier the second time. Okay. I really named it. So (laughs) Wayne... Is here, but right now there is a work-related issue that he's helping me with. My company is actually contracting him for some stuff, and it's kind of an emergency, so he's helping me with that. In fact, I'm going to have to drop from the episode to go help him. What? So you guys are going to be left in the capable chant. This room is going to smell Chan. so like sex. <laughs> it's going to be nasty. <laughs> the capable chans of Chad and Brodor. Mm-hmm. But before I bounce off this episode and let you guys do whatever the hell terrible thing it is you're going to do. Oh, yeah. There is. I got to tell a story. Now, I'm not going to name the place we did dinner tonight because this is hilarious and I don't want to get anyone in trouble. Including right? yourself. <laughs> I don't know that what I did was illegal. It was weird, but it was illegal. All right. So we went to place X for dinner. And because I'm really stressed out about this work thing, I decided that I wanted a beer to go with my dinner. Now, in the state of Missouri, I don't know if the legal age is 18 or 21. To drink, you have to be 21. But to sell alcohol at all... I believe it's 18. It's it's either... I think it's 18. I think it's actually not the drinking age of 21. I think you have to be 18. Well, the kid that was working the counter was not 18. He was clearly younger than that. And so when I went to buy the beer, I took it out of, it was sitting in a like a cooler. Oh, and I ice took, chest. Yeah. Front, and so yeah. I took out the bottle of beer and put ice it. Ice chest? How f-ing old are you? What? Nobody calls it an ice. My grandma doesn't call it an ice chest anymore. <laughs> oh my God. I remember my dad's ice chest. This big green Coleman thing, you know, oh, it's solid Sorry, metal dear. walls. God, so, that kept stuff cold. That was an ice chest. You're older than me, you <laughs> so when you look at emma frost you don't think i <laughs> i do not okay so anyway so i take this beer out and put it on the counter and the kid says can you hang on a minute and i know what he's doing he's got to find somebody like a manager or something who's older who can actually authorize the sale and he goes back and looks around and apparently nobody was there i think we were in there just a little bit before they're going to close or something mm-hmm. and so there was nobody nearby so he just turns the register around and says can you just push that button right there and had me push the button to sell myself the beer because he was not old enough to sell it to me and so i just sold myself a beer like i said he just turned the register around and had me push the button i mean that's to order the beer and then he completed the sale that's essentially what a beer vending machine would do i i guess you know what if we ever live in an age where there's like automats which i totally before i die one of my life goals on my bucket list (laughs) i want to buy a grilled cheese sandwich from an automat but if we ever hit an age where there are beers being sold from like automats if you don't want to want one is go like watch blade runner or something we've talked about on the show we have we have but if you want to do the show go watch blade runner or something or maybe i'll link it in the show notes if i remember but the point being that I would totally love that, and that's how I picture it happening, except I can't imagine someone underage being involved 
and simply asking me. I mean, mind you, he filled out the entire rest of the order. Mm-hmm. He just had to have me press that one button think, to authorize the sale of that one beer because he can't legally do it. I think that young man's understanding of the law is limited to say the least. I don't because know if he it took your money. I mean, that's the transaction. Right. You pressing beep on the, <laughs> the register is not selling yeah. beer. And right. The register does the not money. have biometrics. But you know what? Right. It, it does not know I gotta that look he at it this it. way. Here's a kid who I mean, look, maybe 16, 17 yeah. years old. He's getting his money, maybe saving up for college. I don't know what the story is, but he's got an honest job. He's working the grind. He probably has no idea what to do in this situation. I don't want to cost him his job, much less get anyone in trouble with the law. So I'm not going to tell you who it was or where it was, but I'm just going to say that that was freaking hilarious. Mm-hmm. That that is like totally this peculiarly Kafka-esque <laughs> sort of (laughs) event in my life that I find funny. So I will now leave the show in your guys' questionable hands and go out and work with Wayne on preserving my own job. Speaking so. of hands, I have my next million-dollar Kickstarter idea. There we go. I'm going to have a cologne just for your hands called Intern. <laughs> mm-hmm. The set's a longer. Go save your. Yeah, planet. there's a story behind that. I don't know if we should tell or not. It might be on a negative episode because I still need to have Brodor's <laughs> conspiracy theories negative episode. So, anyways, I'm off to work with Wayne to try and save my own job so bye dan peace out you two just don't do anything gets me in trouble with the law Mm -hmm. take your animals with you i will do so but leave brodor i i I will leave that animal behind (laughs) yes so uh brodor yeah how you doing so it's just the two of us you want to sit in the big boy chair you want to sit in dan's chair i do actually mic go for it i don't yeah i don't know what i'm gonna do for headphones i guess i'll do without can they stretch i I don't know we'll find out hold on Right. This is going to make for a very riveting podcast. I know, right? The well, I mean, it's the big boy chair. It's big responsibility. I've never, I've never sat in the big boy chair. That means and you pick the topics and you kind of control the conversation. Whoa, 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 I mean, it's whoa. not just a place to put your it's a full oh, time job. I don't think that this is necessarily the best idea that's ever happened. <laughs> and aren't we going to pick up the sound quality since oh, I'm sitting absolutely. in? Absolutely. No. Okay. First of all, so, Dan's entirely too tall for me. Mm-hmm. Second of all, this chair is probably the worst chair out of them, only based on stability. It's gonna my fat ass. I'm gonna collapse this chair, but any which way. So I still have my headphones on. You don't. You don't know this. Your voice actually has a little bit more deeper bass to it. What? Yeah, because guess who controls all the sound setting? D- oh, he makes himself sound better. No, yeah. no, that's a conspiracy that I can't get behind. <laughs> so it is just the two of us. Mm-hmm. What do you want to talk about? I don't know. I think another million dollar Kickstarter idea I have. Yeah, and that actually it's not my idea. It's a friend of mine at works called Fusion Chaps. Fusion. Yeah. <laughs> so so he wants to make these special chaps that are basically <laughs> spandex chaps, <laughs> but then at the Wouldn't waist they just fall off. Well, they become <laughs> suspenders. Oh. So they're stirrup like stirrup pants at the bottom right? <laughs> that's what we want to do i don't i don't know i i would i didn't realize that i would be pressured to come up with a topic well, so see, that's that's the power of the modics because you're in the moderator chair now you have the red uh, microphone you 
you have the nice base settings for your microphone. Oh, this is going to be like the real world that I'm going to buckle under this pressure. Right. So, well, let's talk about let's talk about a couple of things. Why don't we play catch up with our current games, things okay. that we've wanted to attempt lately. Uh, for example, my time jump yeah. uh, that I've been discussing with my players. So we have not played a proper game session mm-hmm. since we uh, since we theorized the time jump. Yeah. So the last game session that we did, we all sat around the table and we talked about, okay, let's discuss the time jump. Mm-hmm. What does it mean for the world? What does it mean for the characters? And when and- you say a time jump, we're not talking, you know, a week or a couple of days. No, we we sat down. We talked about a time a time frame that would make sense, um, not just for everyone's characters and their personal mm-hmm. objectives, but we talked about the world in general. Right. Um, sort of meta plot ideas, things that I wanted to evolve in the world that weren't happening quickly enough either. So we all discussed it, and we thought uh, two years, a two year time mm-hmm. frame made a lot of sense for everybody's character. And what has been fantastic for me as as the game. Master, Master is not where I'm changing the world and things that are going on as the world turns outside mm-hmm. the focus of the of the characters, but the individual goals of the characters and the things that not only they want to do to sort of, you know, better themselves yeah. in character, but the things that they want to do to influence the world. I mean, one of my players immediately was asking me, okay, well, how much influence do I have on the world itself? Mm-hmm. And it has been a blast sitting down with them face to face, discussing their ideas ideas, the communications that we've been having via email. But more importantly, the thing that has been most exciting for me to see is what it has done to the relationships with the players outside of the game and the things that they've been discussing with one another. Oh, so what's your character been doing? Have you considered this? Oh, my character's been doing that. And then uh, the most significant thing to me has been independently, Mm -hmm. three of the five people at the table have one plot element that we have been sort of discussing on the periphery for some time. Three of them all individually want to focus on that one thing. So that's become the focal point. So the next game session this coming Saturday night, when we sit down after the two year jump, when everybody's brought back together, this plot element is the thing that is bringing everyone back together. Yeah. And they'll be, you know, if you excuse the expression, high enough level to tackle the mm-hmm. the bosses or the mobs that are in that particular in that particular place. Okay. So I'm really excited about that. I've never done a, mm-hmm. a long a long term time jump in a game before. We've done a few months. Here here, a few months there sort of thing. But it's, it's amazing to me because all the work that a player will put into the background of their character, it's to me been a really fun experience to see them put that work into an existing character. So they all came to the game with their backgrounds. They all have their, their individual motivations and their, their small histories, if you will. But now in we're inserting in the middle of the game, okay, essentially more background for the characters yeah. to develop, but also to exchange and share with one another at the table. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. The longest time jump I've done is a year jump. And what was really odd about that game is that the game itself took place over months, right? You know, real time getting together at people's house took months to play this out. And when we stopped and we kind of thought about it, we're like, you know, I believe only 48 hours passed. I mean, it was like watching 24, you know, where they have 24 episodes and each episode is an hour slice in one day and it just back to back to back. And it's the worst day, 
one man could ever have in his whole life. Yeah, every season. Yes, every season <laughs> is like that. He's cool for a year, then one day he goes to hell. But it was like that. We, I didn't plan on it being that way. Since we're trying to kind of talking about time here. That I did not plan on this compression of time to where a lot of things happen, but not a lot of time passes with these things happening. And it's really hard to describe. I mean, because if you were to ask me, well, what did you guys do? You know, where was it like a lot of combat, a lot of action? I mean, it was just, it was a lot of talking, a lot of scenes, and it was a lot of being faced with tough choices and talking about these tough choices and then making a decision and then having immediate consequence to the decision and then having to work with and deal with that and discuss the consequences and then act out those consequences and deal with that. So I think turning around the time to where it had the immediacy to it, where every decision you make had an immediate consequence, made time seem like it was really ticking by and going fast over the course of several months. So when we did the year leap, you know, I thought thematically it was really needed in the game. Because, you know, we had only, you know, it's like we have this great grand epic adventure that lasted one day. So now it's the next day. And this is the second half of the of the game. So what are we just just the next day? Now we have what these epic grand adventures every day. No, that's stupid. Then that's not epic grand adventures. That's called normal life. And you just have a really screwed up life. Right. And it's completely uninteresting if right. that's the life that you live. Yeah. And and more importantly for me, did you need a break, right? You right. need, I mean, we always, in, in my current D&D game, mm-hmm. um, I always try to work in downtime for their player yeah. characters just to have rest. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't just go, we went out and we killed all these orcs. And then the next day we went out and we killed all these other things or we fought this other kingdom or whatever. Yeah. It becomes uninteresting but you need time for your character to decompress to yes. relax to heal bruises Absolutely. and wounds your your wizard wants to sit down and take a dump and read a book sort of thing right <laughs> yeah. well and that was the cool thing with the time jump you know a year later everybody went off and did different things what was cool about it you know they were like you said they were able to develop things they were able to take a break i think wayne's character went out and just did party type stuff and perform. He didn't do anything serious, which is great, very in character. And what was awesome about it, at least this is how I perceived it, when the guys came back at the end of the year and they all kind of coalesced together, I thought the way they played their characters was more mature. Their characters seemed like they were older, but not older as crotchety, old, you know, it's, it was only a year, but because they had developed stuff, the, the, what we did in that year, they were more road-worn, you know, right. they, they had seen more, they had experienced more, and they played their characters to where they were still wild and crazy adventurers and did amazing, awesome, crazy stuff, but they there was a bit more, a slight bit more maturity to them. Yeah, I get that. And that that's really interesting. You know, one of my yeah. players, he's a, his character's a druid and he's a member of one of the, one of the, the four big native tribes in this particular world. And when I pitched the idea, he was so excited about it. And so when we were talking about, so, you know, Mike, what do you, what do you know, what skull are you going to do with his time? He's like, I'm going to go to, you know, one of the forests on this Island off the coast, blah, 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 or the fair reside. And I'm going to tree shape and I'm going to spend my two years in meditation as a tree. Wow. I'm I'm going to I'm going to connect with the land mm-hmm. and I'm going to open myself up to sort of the traditional shamanic visions of my people. And so that's what he wants to do with his time hmm. is just 
connect with the earth, which at first I was like, I don't know if that's a cop out. And then he started pitching all these ideas yeah. about, you know, what he wants to explore spiritually and about how traditionally. He's not just going to sit there motionless. It's like a spirit. Right, 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 right. So exactly. sort of, yeah, something, you know, strange and existential yeah. and maybe out of body experience stuff. Which, mm-hmm. So I'm pretty excited about some of the vision ideas that he's got. Um, that is really exciting to me. But the thing that it made me think about was, okay, so we get together pretty much when I start a campaign, I've pitched the idea to the players. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is the game that I want to run. What works? What doesn't work? What are you guys interested in? And we sort of work together on, this is my idea for the game. How are we going to make it work for everybody? Yeah. Right. And then we talk about character ideas and we do a group template sort of thing. But now what I want to do, because usually when I play d and I'm one of those scumbag cheaters that I don't start at first level because it's uninteresting. And right. I want I want the players to have a little bit of experience under the belts. Next time I run a D&D or Pathfinder game, I'm going to have everybody make a first level character, mm-hmm. talk about their world, talk about their world, talk about where they came from and their background. And then I just want to do an immediate time jump. Okay, great. Yeah. So we know who you are. Now let's jump to fourth level. You could even do an intro scene right you know at first level and and like this is how they you could even say well they've been adventuring for a while or they've been doing stuff together separate for a while but this one event is what bound them what brought them right so you run you run that for a game session or two Mm -hmm. and then do your big time jump right which then got me to thinking and my my brother my brother had broached this idea about a a game that he wants to run um but essentially doing routine time jumps So starting at one level, playing a few sessions of that level and then doing a large jump of time, you know, two, three, four years. And now you're this level and we play for a while at that level and then we jump to Mm -hmm. the next thing. And so I'm I'm thinking about different ways that that might work with not just, you know, a a traditional level based game like Dungeons and Dragons, but something like a like a a Savage Worlds Mm -hmm. or, you know, name your system. Yeah. See, and and that's kind of in line with what I my dream game I've mentioned before where it's just like, you know, it takes place over the course of a hundred years or 200 years. And it's sort of like an urban fantasy type thing. And at the beginning of it, you know, everybody makes characters and we have this adventure and there's sort of a chapter. And then we advance 50 years and you can play the same character, but they're 50 years older, or you can play somebody else. It doesn't necessarily have to be progeny, but someone who is, related in some way there's some connection between your old character and your new one if you make a new one and then you you keep doing that in 25 50 year jumps and each chapter is a big jump like that and i want one person who is immortal or outrageously long lit who plays the same character at the beginning and plays the same character at the end of it Right. It's interesting how we're taking topics from multiple episodes <laughs> that we've done previously yeah. and kind of melding them in together. Mm-hmm. That's intriguing to me. So I don't know. I'm pretty firmly in the camp of vampires should be the bad guys and always should be the bad guys. Well, I agree because to me, a vampire looks at a human being and says, you are my food. Right. And that to me is not a compelling character for me to play. Right. I, I, if it's not a kill, right. It's, 
Yeah, I, I I agree with you. But what I was going with the vampire thing is, is that I think that a vampire game like that, you know, mm-hmm. would be interesting because you'd have the the opportunity with the longevity of vampires to do yeah. those big yeah. time jumps. And I think it would be interesting, too, because you would then get to explore not only sort of the, their relationships and how they change mm-hmm. over time, but you get to see how the technology changes yeah. for those characters. That's pretty interesting. If you did this concept with mm-hmm. a fantasy based game, like you're saying, right. how would you tackle technology well see that's just it is i would want to do it like 200 years say and the end point is the present or maybe very very near future because you do a fantasy game and say you do like lord of the ring generic not the role-playing game but the world just the generic world i mean what changes in 200 years i mean not much well okay i'm sorry a lot changes into it politics change personalities change borders change all this sort of social stuff changes But the like the technology doesn't the dress and the style and that sort of thing. I mean, fantasy is pretty well locked in. It's part of its setting, you know, castles and dragons and that sort of thing. Although I know all fantasy is not like that. So to me, it would be way more interesting to start at something like 1776 and you have carriages and you don't even have gaslight and you have like the beginnings and birth of science really really started to take off and scholarship and all this sort of stuff and then this sort of rise of political thought and ideology and the spread of new lands and 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 that sort of thing and then it just kind of keeps going and going and you could see it's a more relatable change you know i know that there was change in medieval times from 1300 to 1500 there was a lot of change between that. But to us, unless you're really, really deep into history, it's not very relatable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like for us, it'd be like, OK, well, who cares that you had an open toed stirrup for your horse versus a closed toe stirrup? Who cares that, you know, crossbows reduced in size, but upped in power? I mean, it, right. So, yeah, I'm, OK, there's decastalization and now everybody is in palaces that look like castles well who cares see i'm looking at it from the perspective of how do i how do i handle the it was 1910 and now it is 2010 right you know that the just the technological and cultural differences Mm -hmm. just in the united states changed dramatically in that 100 years so i'm curious how you tackle that Mm-hmm. you know, in the game. And if you're, if you're your concept, what you were considering, yeah. if you were going to do something like that and have such dramatic shifts in the technology and in the culture, yeah. you, I wonder if you'd almost need a different game system as you changed eons or not eons. So you change epochs or something. Right. I don't know. I, I think you could do it. Like I said, I, I think it helps to be relatable. It has to be relatable to the players, the changes, uh, the further back you go, It's not from a historical perspective. It's not that things don't change. Things do change. They change a little bit slower because ideas, people, thoughts don't travel as widely and as quickly as they do now. And we didn't exactly have the scientific method propelling technology and social change. But I think that more modern jumps like that are are far more relatable. Or at least they would be easier for me to game master. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2016. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy Network of Shows. 
You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.